and again, I'd read Rich Dad Poor Dad, but yeah. that's not a tactical book, and so sure. I just kind of like sat there it's, on the money yeah, so now. What do we do? Scared of the stock market at this yeah. point. What would your life look like if you could replace all of your working income with simple and conservative investments that could do it for you? Over the last 13 years, we've helped thousands of clients transact over half a billion dollars in simple and conservative real estate transactions, allowing them to begin replacing their work income with real estate investment income. Each week, we'll be pulling back the curtain on the ins and outs of real-time retirement-based real estate transactions that will transform your financial future, even if you have no real estate experience. This is Replace Your Income with me, Kevin Clayson. And Steve Earle. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Replace Your Income with Kevin and... Steve. How's it going, Kev? We're in the studio, and I always feel better when we're in the studio. It does feel good in here. You know, you're not in Canada. I always feel better when you're not in Canada. I, By the way, I think this is the fourth episode in a row where I've, I've, I've jabbed Canada. Well, I'm going back on Friday. Okay. <laughs> I'm making another trip. It'll just okay. be it's it's kind of a day trip though. Good. So. Do you need more do you need more maple candy? Is that are you low are you are you low supply of maple candy? I've run out of Big Turks <laughs> and Canadian Oreo cookies. I got to go get some. More. Okay, hold on. I know that le- every now and then I drip little Canada stories cuz I don't have a ton of experience with Canada. I know that I've shared some stuff. Did I ever tell you the experience of when I was in Victoria and I went to try to go buy a soda? Have I ever told you this? You probably have, but go for it. Tell again. <laughs> I was so bugged. So I go because wherever we were, there weren't like Mavericks, right? It wasn't like it wasn't like like good like convenience stores, right? So I find this one little store, and I just want a soda because I I was with uh, I was with my ex wife's family at the time. They didn't drink soda. What kind of crazy humans are they? And I just wanted a soda, so I go and get a soda, and I go inside and I buy this 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 Pepsi situation. And I don't know why. I think Pepsi for a while did a thing where they had blue Pepsi. I don't know. It was weird. But that's what I got. But I looked at the label, and I was so mad. Do you want to know why? Because it was in French? It was in French. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm in Canada. I'm speaking English. And this is in French. And I just I didn't know what to do with myself. I couldn't take it. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, a secret. there's a secret to it. What is it? You look at the other side <laughs> of the bottle. I was seriously like, is this in It's French? in English and in French. Everything's in English and French. And <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, that's awesome. Well, dude, I'm excited that we're back in the studio. We have another amazing episode today with a good friend of ours and a client. And if you're watching on YouTube, you could see this handsome devil right here. <laughs> this is Spencer Meekum. Now, Spencer... Has, how many years have you been working with us now? Oh, it's like five years. Five years. Yeah, because I, we were talking uh, just before we started to record. And the first time that you and I hung out was at our, not our last building, but like our last, last building. It was like the building before last. And, and we were in the last building like three-ish, three to four years. And so, yeah, it's been like, it's been like five years, which is crazy because Steve and I like, I mean, we've been doing this a long time, but we really started to work specifically together um, in this capacity like five or six years ago. And so that was kind of like right at the beginning of sort of this new era of done-for-you real estate. So, Spencer, I noticed like you were about like 12 years old when you bought your first home, and I can see you can grow a beard now, right? <laughs> I do right? look young. No, yeah, 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 thank you. you. Know, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm quite impressed by the, you know, the, the growth. Congratulations. Facial hair is on the board now. That's by good. growth, we're still talking about this, right? <laughs> Both. Okay. In real estate and in facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So Spence, okay, but I have to tell you, like I'm, I'm sort of, 
I, I kind of am fanboying over Spencer a little bit because I love to live in marketing communities and Spencer, not he. So he is a very successful influencer in the small business space. He has an amazing YouTube channel called Buildrepreneur that everybody should go check out right now. If you're watching this on YouTube, I don't even care if you pause this video and you go watch his videos because they're awesome. Uh, and and he is a a brilliant marketer. And so I've just, I'm just a fan of you as a human, as a marketer. Your content is exceptional. If there's anybody listening or watching who's like, oh, I'd love to learn some things about being a business owner, go check out Spencer's channel, Buildrepreneur. It's amazing. And so anyway, dude, I'm just really glad that you're here and you're a client. You've done five properties with us, but thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming and hanging out in studio. That is the best intro I've ever heard. I'm not that cool, but thank you. <laughs> Listen, around here you are, okay? <laughs> around here you I'm gonna are. I'm going to hang here more often, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just come. Anytime you're feeling sort of down, just come in the studio and we'll just record a, We'll just record an introduction. Give me you. an intro. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's all we'll do. We'll do. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, it's awesome. The last, for those of you listening and watching, the last couple amazing episodes we've been able to do with uh, some client uh, – stories have been virtual. And so uh, since Andrew, we haven't had somebody in office to be able to do this. And so it's just cool to be able to look across the desk and be able to say, hey, tell us about you and tell us about your story. And that is where I want to start. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about Spencer um, outside of the introduction I gave. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and kind of lead us to, to the point where you thought it was maybe time to kind of do some real estate with Dunphy Real Estate. Talk just kind of about your history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, real estate wasn't even on my radar till, till college. Uh, so me and my wife got married. We immediately moved to Hawaii. And I don't know if anyone's ever lived in Hawaii, but you... Is that uh, why you're wearing the Hawaiian shirt? Is I, it? Is this like hearkening back? Just a general yeah, love of the location and a, and a <laughs> wish to be yeah. there at all times. But, uh, but it's hard to find a job in Hawaii. So it's great to visit. If you've ever tried to find a job there, uh, you're, you're out of luck. I couldn't get a job at Ace Hardware. I couldn't get a job at McDonald's. No one wanted me in Hawaii. Uh, and so I just kind of like, well, I guess I'll work on myself, you know, and uh, spent some time reading books and stuff like that and, and came across, I could still picture, actually, I know the beach I was at, and I was reading the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm. laying on a beach, uh, living the life of the rich dad while being the poor dad. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny, that book actually takes place in Hawaii, if, yeah, it does. if you're not aware. But I uh, read that book, and that that was like the huge shift for me. Uh, I was going to college at the time, and the only, you know, for me, life was like, go to college, get a job, 65, like you're either that or you're living in a dumpster. There's no in between. There's right. nothing else out yeah. there. And, and so that was my path. And while the book didn't, didn't take me anywhere specific, it, it changed my mind to, okay, there's alternatives to your current path that you're really not happy with, but you don't know what else is out there. And I think it was probably four years later, in my head, I knew, okay, we're going to buy stuff. We're going to buy assets, right? Yeah, right, right. And I, uh, we're sitting down, I'm talking to my wife's uncle. I'm, I'm in my last year of college. And he, uh, he starts talking to me about FHA loans. He's like, why aren't you into real estate? I'm like, because I'm poor as dirt. Like, how could I get into real estate, you know? <laughs> He's like, oh, you can get an FHA loan and like 3.5% down and your wife can qualify and you can use this. And he kind of talked me through a little more creative financing that was available. And I was like, I could get into real estate now. And uh, So we, we saved up for just a few more months. We got $10,000, which is enough to buy a duplex on an FHA loan. And that was my first uh, foray. We're, I'm still a student. My wife's making like 12 bucks an hour. 
I still can't remember how any lender gave us money. They gave us money. We we used some of the duplex money, you know, some of the renters' money to qualify. It's because qualify. it was before 2007. That's probably, That's probably why. No, 2007. <laughs> no, definitely not that. Did you fog up here? <laughs> yeah, yes. If that's you how, had a heartbeat, you, you probably were qualified. Yeah, that's <laughs> 2007. Uh, I did. I don't. Did I have a heartbeat in 2007? That was a long time ago. Um, but anyway, yeah, and, and I did some stupid things. I the, the funniest story at that point I think was I took the money. We were a month away from closing, and we had about twelve thousand dollars in the bank, which is the most money I'd ever had in my life. And I was like, okay, I've got thirty days with twelve thousand dollars before I have to give it to the bank. But I was like, I could probably. Kiyosaki that money and make a little more before I lose it. You yeah, know? yeah. Terrible Dude. idea. I throw it in the stock market, lose three thousand. <laughs> oh man! As we're closing, right? I ended up having to go to a, an in-law for a thirty-day loan. And like, oh my goodness, that's amazing though. What a story! Like what that's... a bad idea, but yeah, what a story. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm gonna Kiyosaki this money. So, Let's yeah. go. Yeah, that's why is awesome. it just sitting there? Uh, that's awesome. But anyway, we got our first duplex. And, and that was here in Utah. That was here in Utah, yeah. just right in the, in the college town we lived in. We lived in there for a year. And it was probably just a year or two after that we ran into you guys for, for kind of everything after that. Really? I didn't realize it was that. So did you own any investment properties before you met us Had you uh, besides the duplex? So we had the duplex. We moved into a, a primary residence okay. after that. But, but you held on to the, the duplex. duplex. Okay. But that was all we had when we, when we ran into you guys. That's awesome. And so when you ran into us, so our good friend or friends, Ryan and Brad from Cashflow Tactics, I think we established they're the ones that made yeah, the, the introduction, ones. right? Yep. And so at this point, you're in you're in your primary residence. You had your duplex. You'd been kind of going along and starting your business, right? And so income had started to kind of increase there. Is that right? Yeah. And then it was like, okay, time to do something with this money. Is that kind of where it was? Yeah. And, and again, I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but yeah. that's not a tactical book. And so sure. I just kind of like sat there that's, on the money yeah, so now. Yeah, what do we do? Scared of the stock market at this yeah. point. <laughs> So, okay, awesome. So you, so now we get introduced, you learn about Done For You Real Estate, and you go buy your first property. Where did we do your first property? I, I should have looked it up before we jumped on, but I don't remember. Oh, you're good. Uh, Indianapolis. Okay, it was Indianapolis. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about that. What was that experience like going from, all right, I own a duplex and a primary residence. I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but now I'm kind of emerging from that cocoon and now I'm becoming like a like a like a hands-off investor buying a property in another state where I don't know if you'd ever been there but you definitely weren't living there talk a little bit about did you have apprehension what was that what was that sort of mental um gymnastics that you maybe had to do was your wife on board I'm kind of curious what the scenario was during that time frame for you yeah, a lot of mental apprehension. And in fact, we, we still hadn't hired a property manager for our duplex. Uh, I'd been told all these horror property management stories, and I was so nervous to turn it over. You know, No one could love our house like we do. No one could, could run it like we do and care about it like we do. And, uh, and then the fact that, you know, like you said, if something happens and goes wrong in Indiana, not a chance I'm getting on a plane. I'm doing anything about it. Or I even yeah, know what right. to do about it, right? right? Uh, I'm very unhandy, very un, you know, not hey, great me, at that kind too. of stuff. Yeah. So. Steve's handy. I'm yeah. not handy. <laughs> the handyman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to call Steve next time. He knows that. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so super happy about the whole process. And uh, the one thing I remember, I remember, because I, I bought a bunch since then, right, is as they worked me through like the second and third one, I was like, I just remember like it just went well on the first one. Like I just, yeah. you guys told me what to do next and I did it and it went well. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I talked to Adam every time about that, like, Oh, you're good. Just keep doing your thing. I'm not right. stressed because I know you guys always know what's next yeah. for me. And yeah, that's that's the feeling I remember. That's awesome. Okay, so you bought your first property in Indianapolis, and since you've bought four additional 
properties with your most recent one. You just closed on it not too long ago, right? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago in Oklahoma? Correct. Okay, so I'm just curious. Why go from one to five? What, what, what's been the motivation for you? Now, I know you're successful, and so I think there's a lot of benefit. You know, we get a lot of people that kind of want to work with us, and they're going, look, I'm busy, I'm successful, I've got my thing, but I need some tax breaks, and so I'm going to invest in real estate. I'm just curious, what has been the proliferation for you in your mind? Like, why go from one to five? Why have you continued this process? Uh, you, you mentioned one, one of the biggest ones last year was my accountant said you need tax breaks. <laughs> so we needed tax breaks last year, and it was the last year we could do the 100% accelerated depreciation. Uh -huh. So needed to run with that. And then um, that, I'm trying to remember what else. There was, there was a couple big reasons, but the, the other big one was we had enough equity to refi. So kind of using your method, we were yeah. able to pull out of, I think that original Indiana property actually got refinanced. It made um, more than enough in that refi to, to turn around and buy the Oklahoma property. So the timing was just right at that point. Uh, it, was, it was a fifty, sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 tax break yeah. while I didn't have to put any money in. It, yeah. it was a beautiful That's strategy. Awesome. <laughs> so let me ask this question. So you've mentioned Adam's name. I'm assuming yeah. that he's your coach right here at DFY. So as far as like the strategies, like I know you, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you mentioned that that's not really a strategic book in terms of implementation. What's been your experience like post-purchase on the properties? We talk all the time about helping our clients optimize their properties, build a portfolio to 10 homes, that kind of a thing. I mean, you're well on your way, but maybe share a little bit about your experience in, in working with your coach on kind of an annual basis to review the properties. What was that like and how did that kind of influence your mindset and your strategies and that kind of a thing? Yeah, I think it was actually Adam's idea. I don't think it was even on my radar thought process that I could refinance Indiana. I mean, that was only four years ago, I think. Yeah, it wasn't right. that like a long time yeah, ago, right, you know? Right. So it wasn't on my radar yet. So yeah, it was a yearly call with Adam and he said, you know, you've got $90,000 in equity or something. And I was like, no, I had no idea that I had that. <laughs> Surprise, yeah. it's like money in the couch, but so much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we pulled that money out. And, uh, and then I, I've always felt like, my fear of property managers is they're not going to take me seriously, which I really don't think they would if I wasn't doing it through here because me and my one Provo house, right, is making them $100 a month. Like, I, I'm nothing in their big pool of, right. of people. And I've always felt like banded together with everybody and done for you real estate. I feel this sense of like when I'm talking to the property managers and everybody, the realtors and everything like that, they really want me to have a good experience because they want you guys to have a good experience, yeah, which sure. is great. And you know what? That's that's something that we've talked about a lot. And it's actually been instrumental in kind of how we've built this is uh, for for one person to go. And, and look, this, this whole thing, I think, is, is sort of when we look at how we do this kind of real estate. We've got clients that are, doesn't matter where you live and they're buying in a state where they don't live and they're not really, if you live in Utah or you live in Hawaii or you live in California and you're buying a property across the country and it's that one property and you represent maybe a hundred bucks a month or whatever it is to that property manager, the question always becomes, am I important enough for them to return my phone call? If there's a problem, are they going to let me know or am I just one of many? And we're massive believers just in the general philosophy of, from a business standpoint, from a human standpoint, we should always try to leave people better off. And and part of doing it in this way means that if these property managers know that done for you real estate clients represent sort of a faction, a, a big chunk 
of of maybe the the rents that they're collecting on a monthly basis now all of a sudden you do matter and they will leave you better off because like you said you are now you know you're now part of this this uh this grouping of people that because our property managers that we work with are awesome and they know if there's a problem and you the client gets us involved we are going to jump in and have a conversation if we need to right there's it, we have to have a good business relationship together and we do that so that we can leave clients better off so that it allows them to own multiple properties in multiple states regardless of where they live and so what you shared is actually something i think is such a important sort of secret sauce of why this works is now you are not just one of one you know you're you're one of many and those many carry more weight. That's the 800-pound gorilla as opposed to just, you know, the fly that's – or the mosquito that's landing on the skin. You got to flick it away because it's kind of annoying you. So I'm glad to hear that you've had that – glad to hear that you've had that experience. Spencer, would you mind sharing with us um, – you know, you're, you got the five properties now, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have – what are your – what's next for you in terms of, you know, real estate investing? Five more properties, right? <laughs> the goal has always been 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, for me, I think when we first talked, you guys said 10. So the goal for me is 10. Um, I, I, I've started to bounce around into other places, multifamily, uh, commercial, uh, but I've always felt like these ones are, are so stress-free for me, um, be, both because of you guys and the very nature of the investment, right, is like the worst case scenario is we drop rent a hundred bucks or 150 bucks, right? Like there's just so little that could truly go wrong if you've done right. And, and so like this is always kind of what I call the core and then the other stuff's the fun, right? Yeah. Is how I've kind of described it. No, it's, I, I saw a quote the other day from Warren Buffett. We, we talk about Warren Buffett a lot because he just says, I don't know if he's actually a good human or not, but he has good sound bites. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's good stuff there. The, the gist of it was, it's not about buying a whole bunch of stocks and having like this diversification and kind of gaming the market. He said, you buy three great stocks and you hang on to them forever. It, it, like that was kind of the idea that he was talking about, right? Like go find those horses that you know will just run and run and run. And the way that I look at Moneyball Real Estate, the way that I look at SFR, it is the foundation of whatever else we do. You know, I haven't done any multifamily. Steve has. We've done commercial together. But the core of our company, what we buy as a company, what we buy as individuals it is SFR, a single family residential real estate, because it, for me, it's those two or three stocks. In, in our case, it's at least 10 homes and you just ride those puppies. And, you know, th there's, there's, we get that question a lot sometimes. Well, why don't you guys do multifamily? Why don't you do this, that, or the other? And I always look at it. One of the big things is liquidity, right? So a lot of people don't think that there is tremendous liquidity in real estate. We think when you do single family residential real estate, there is liquidity from the standpoint of it's supply and demand, right? So if I own an SFR, if I own a rental property, I have so many options, right? If I own a single family residence, I can rent it out long term. And there's a lot of people that don't want to just rent it out long term. They may want to do like a, we don't do these, but, but you know, like a, a short term Airbnb situation. But you could still do that with the single family residence. You could also uh, turn around 
around and and list that puppy because that is where people want to live that is where people want to work and so you've got and you've got the ability to refinance out of it so you've got the lowest interest rates possible and the ability to go get a home equity line or refinance so there's some additional liquidity or the ability to list and sell and have the largest number of buyers in history looking at your because that's where the majority of people go you go buy multifamily and if you if you do want to sell that property you're selling to another investor and so your buyer pool is so much smaller. Whereas if it's a single family residence, your buyer pool is, is people that want to invest. It's people that want to actually live there and raise their family. It's hedge funds or whatever that want to buy single family residences because they understand the value in having that kind of long-term play. And so um, that's why I, I, like, I love to hear you say that because the whole idea of Moneyball Real Estate is go stack singles, stack micro wins, and it becomes something great. It's not to say that you can't do any other real estate, right? We've got other clients that have done something really similar. They build a single family residential real estate portfolio, and now they feel like, okay, I'm good. Now, if I want to, you know, Kiyosaki this thing, right? I, I can go play around with some of this yeah. other money. I want to go lose 3,000 yeah. bucks, you know? It's going to be called Spencer in this thing. Yeah, Spencer in this thing. Yeah, and so so I love to hear you say that. And I hope that those, the, the properties that you continue to do, to do with us and getting up to 10, I hope that always acts as this undercurrent of stability, right? This this idea that we know they're going to grow, we know they're going to produce cash flow, we know they're going to appreciate over time, we know they're going to provide tax benefits, we know that they're going to provide multiple uh, financial benefits because that's the value of single family residential real estate. And so I just love to hear you say that. And I want anybody listening to just consider that. You've asked the question, why single family residences? Well, we could do an entire, and I'm sure we have done a whole podcast about why, but what Spencer just said, I think is so critical. Those you get those in place and it's like those three stocks that Warren Buffett says you just ride till the day you die. You ride those bad boys and uh, it acts as a foundation for real economic independence in the future. Spencer, part of the story that, that I like learning more about you, you, you have a, a couple of children, right? Three, uh, did you say three, three kids? Yeah. Three kids. And the oldest is Do you six. like them? Do, do you like, do I do you, like them? Yeah, do you like the children or are you ready to I love to them, them, but I don't okay. like them. Okay, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love the same way. The point I ask is, you know, you're in your 20s or your 30s when you kind of read Kiyosaki and you started thinking about other things, alternative, you know, opportunities to invest other than like what you shared with us. You know, I go to school, I get a job, I invest in a 401k, and then I retire. And you started thinking about some of these other things like real estate. One of the things I like to think about is, man, if my kids knew now, um, or if, how do you, what's the saying? If I knew then what I knew today, if I knew then what I know today, that's the my way. whole life would be completely yeah. different. And that's what we have an opportunity, right? With our children to, to change the trajectory of their lives by teaching them some of these basic principles. And when there's a parent, an adult who has learned these principles, these concepts, um, while their kids are growing up, by the time they get to an age where they can begin to comprehend these things, like it is life changing in terms of what you, what we can do for the upcoming generation, but most importantly, what we can do for our own children. And I don't know if you've given any thought to that, you, you and your wife, about, you know, how you, you know, want to kind of pass things on to your children in terms of not only necessarily like the physical assets, but the knowledge that you've gained over the last five years and the world that that's opened up for you. I can see I've given a lot of thought to it. I feel highly unprepared to talk about it. The thought hasn't led to me doing much or learning much yet. 
Um, but I, it's kind of the phase I'm in now, actually, I'd say, is like figuring, like you said, both sides of it. How do I teach my kids this effectively? And how do I hand off this to the kids without ruining their future, you know, or, or something like that? You know, I think one of the things that you're doing and you should give yourself more credit for, and I think anybody listening or watching, you should do this too. If you are invested in real estate at all and your kids know it, you're way ahead of the game. You know, I look at, because, and here's why I say that. So when you read Robert Kiyosaki, uh, when you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, your mind opened to like, whoa, wait, there's another way to look at the world. That's what happened when I read it. My kids though, they know you, like if my son, if my 12 year old comes to me and he's like, dad, you know, I want to have money for this, that, or the other. We say, all right, let's go find it. How do we do it? Do you start a business? Do you sell something? Do you go offer services? What do you do? Do you come up with a list of chores you want to do around the house and then tell me what you think that's worth? Like it's a different approach than just, oh, well, let me give you a 20, right? And, and I think that that mentality, and even with real estate, like my kids know the term micro wins to millions because we've been writing the book. They know the idea that we help people invest in real estate, right? So they know that it's possible to invest in real estate. When, when Steve and I, uh, when we bought the building that we're in, you know, I would bring my kids over, you know, Steve's, all Steve's kids are, are older and they, you know, they're all doing real estate and he's, his son has been really successful in real estate, but my kids are little. And so I'd bring them over and we would talk about what this is. Why are we doing this? What does this mean? And I remember bringing them to this building when it was just, when it was gutted, right? When it was just like, we had wires hanging everywhere. And I said, kids, this is part of your future. You don't understand it right now, but just know that this will produce money. And then even just talking about the fact that there is ground and that you could put something on ground and you can own what's on that ground and then people will pay you to use that. Like those are principles that I never learned as when I was growing up, growing up in California, I had no idea. I didn't know what a mortgage was. I remember when I first started, when I was working at Wells Fargo Financial and we got the mortgage product, I was literally like the what? What's a, a more, I couldn't even pronounce a word. I was like, mortgage? No, I couldn't spell it. And then they threw out this other word, this amortization. I was like, what the, what the heck is it? I don't know what that is. They're talking about amortization schedule. I was like, I don't know what that means. I had no idea. I had no frame of reference for what a mortgage was, how real estate worked, how you could finance, the fact that you could leverage. I literally didn't know any of it. And look, it's not my parents' fault because they didn't know it either right? I grew up in a household and I love my family. They're so awesome. But like, go to school, go to work, make it happen, right? That's, that was it. And so I think Spencer, just the fact that you are so entrepreneurial, the fact that you've got this YouTube channel with unbelievable amount of, of excellent videos and content where you have people from all over the world that come to listen to you talk about small business and how to generate revenue in their lives. Just the fact that you are that guy and you own that real estate, you should give yourself a lot more credit. Your kids are going to be better prepared for how to succeed financially than I think you realize. And I would say anybody listening or watching, if that is in any way, shape, or form a part of your world, what you are demonstrating to your children, by example, is setting them up for 
tremendous success. Now, I mean, you gotta, you know, you also could be setting them up for failure because if you just tell them go put twelve grand in the stock market, you know, and then not know what's gonna happen, uh, you don't want to, you don't want them to Spencer the thing. So, uh, <laughs> but I just, I just want, I, and I think that that's just an important point that I want to make for everybody listening and everybody watching is like, if you are listening to this podcast right now, it, we've got our book coming out, Micro Wins to Millions. If you pick up that book, if you listen to that book, if you share that book with your kids, if you share one audio selection from this podcast or that book or Spencer's channel with your family in any way, shape, or form, what you are unlocking for them is massive. You know, uh, also in this uh, in the studio right now, we've got Justin, who we talk about. Um, you're like the you're like the producer that's like off the mic in radio, but we just always reference you. Like we've got our good friend Jesse Kelly that does radio, and he always yells at his producer in the other room, but you never hear from it. From we need to producer. find it. We need to figure out a, a good name for him, other than <laughs> like Snurdly. Yeah, or, you know. yeah. We could just yeah. For now, he's just Justin. But I look at Justin. So Justin's my nephew, and his dad um, has been a school teacher for how long? Is how long has your dad? been teaching school 30 20 30 years something like that okay past 23 years and what's interesting is justin's dad was always i think had like an entrepreneurial bug but justin's grandparents so my wife's parents they aren't at all you know entrepreneurial like it's not business owning is not a thing real estate's not really a thing but sean uh he listens to this podcast. Hi, Sean. Um, and he started to unlock the idea through stuff like Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that he could do more. And he at one point owned how many doors? What was the most amount of doors that he owned, Justin? Eight. Eight. And what I loved is he would take Justin and his kids over to go fix up these homes, to clean them up. He owned some Airbnbs. The kids will go and clean the Airbnb. Or if they're you know moving from one tenant to another, they'd go over and they'd fix up the house if they needed to and they'd do stuff. And I always looked at that. And they also, <laughs> Sean uh, will go and, and find washers and dryers on like KSL, which is like classifieds or Craigslist. And then they'll fix them up. How many washers and dryers have you fixed up and sold? Yeah, he says he can't even count that number. And what I love about it is whether it's washers and dryers or real estate or being an influencer on YouTube and 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 putting out content, I think that everybody listening should understand that if you will live this example, what you are setting the next generation up for is extraordinary. I look at Steve and his business prowess, what he's done, how he started his painting contractor company and how he sold it, how he was in real estate really early and how he's been successful. And I look at how successful your kids are just as humans, but also entrepreneurially. And, and you know, he's got a Harvard attorney's son who owns eight homes and he's only been out of law school for a couple years. You know, he's got other kids that are extremely successful in what they do. And I think it's because of your Example, and I just I I just soapboxing here for a little bit because I just think it's important that you know we try on this podcast all the time to have like real conversations, and I just think that's a really cool thing. So Spencer, I just want you to know, bro, what you are doing is a game changer for those kids and probably for those kids' friends. It's awesome, man, and I honor you for that. Um, well, look, we want to wrap this episode, but before we go, because it's all been flowers, puppy dogs, and lollipops, I want to ask you, what has been the most frustrating part of this process or, or where has this not been all puppy dogs and rainbows? Cause I think that's important to talk about too. What's been, and, and that could be in your personal entrepreneurial journey, but also especially with your real estate. COVID right. Was, was two years ago, three years ago. And, uh, we had, that first property, again, every story revolves around that first property, it seems, but that property in Indiana, our, our initial tenants, 
uh, seemed great until COVID, and then took took advantage of some of the some of the things that happened during COVID, and really really trashed the house. Like <laughs> we're talking like yeah like pee poo whatever oh, everywhere well, right. I, I don't know animal people. It was pretty destroyed. And uh, they took advantage of the fact that during COVID, we weren't allowed to, to boot them. And so uh, they were doing that. They stopped paying rent while simultaneously destroying the house. And if I had been without property managers or without any support, I would have gone nuts in that case, right? I would have got one of those little letters in the mail that says, hey, I'll buy your house for half what it's worth in a day. And yeah. I'd be like, sold, you know, <laughs> take that house. Uh, but I didn't. The, the property management handled it really well. Uh, most importantly, keeping me up to date with like, this is the legality of what's going on. Here's where we're at. It's frustrating that you can't do anything, but this is, you know, at least you know what your options are and kind of where it is. And they ended up negotiating and working a way out, working a way to get the tenant out. But uh, that was simultaneously frustrating, but also uh, very relieving to have somebody there helping me through what could have been a very frustrating process and could have lost me a, a, a significant amount of money. And like I said, in the end, they were able to negotiate because of experience and the fact that they have lawyers and things like that, negotiate something that, uh, I guess, minimized the pain for from that situation. That's something that we talk a lot about, right, is how to manage the pain that's inevitable when you own real estate. And, uh, you know, having a team to help walk you through it, having the right type of property managers, but also having the right type of property in the right area, in the right city. Like all of those things play a role and a factor when the going gets tough. Because inevitably, it doesn't matter what property you buy, you will, you know, have rough patches. And uh, apparently you need to have property managers that are good at cleaning up human excrement. Is that what I'm hearing? And so as long as they know what they're doing there, we're safe, right? Is that... That's the lowest they should have to go. (laughs) All right. Well, before we let you go, first of all, again, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your story and kind of sharing your experience. Um, You're just such an amazing guy, and I'm so thankful for you. Um, If if somebody's listening or watching right now, and they are just going, I'm not sure. Is it time to move? Is it time to go? Should I be buying right now? Because there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know if I want to buy right now. Interest rates, blah, blah, blah. You just bought a property. What advice would you give to somebody watching or listening right now if they are kind of unsure whether or not they ought to enter the fray? I'll tune into that last thing you said first because the whole interest rate thing has been, I mean, that stock market story tells you that I try to time things, right? I'm bad at it, but I try. And I talked to, I don't know if Adam was my coach back then, but years ago when I when I was like, I think I'm going to hold off because I think markets are the top, right? And this is like three, four years ago after I just bought my one property. And he's like, do you, but look at the numbers. And like, if I were you, I would just be steady when, you know, when you have a chance, buy a property, don't try and and work the system. And so we bought two more uh, in uh, Tennessee. And I can say we're, we're this close. We probably could qualify to refi those and pull out and do another, another purchase with each of those. We just haven't yet. Uh, But we would have missed all that. We probably would have missed a hundred and something thousand in equity had we gone that way. And so uh, for me, it's always been just... uh, Mentally, I wasn't, but you guys helped me understand this. The slow and steady tortoise, just get into them when you have a chance. And, and like I kind of talked about, it, it was so nerve-wracking at first, and then I've kind of gone through all these worst-case scenarios in my head, and it's like it, it wouldn't be that bad, you know? If, if your tenants did this, if your tenants did that, if you lost your tenants, they walked out on you. Uh, like it's a such, it's in so much demand, right? Like this, this single-family house, there is so much demand for that that the worst-case scenario is just not that terrible in the long run and so and the and the 
potential for reward is just crazy, right? The, the balance, it's, it's such an imbalance. And, and that's kind of what I'd say. I love that. Uh, it is an imbalance in that way. I love the way you put that. And if you are doing the right kind of real estate in the right market with the right uh, types of, uh, with the right approach, it's, it's not to say that you can't lose, but it's really hard to lose, which is why we are always focused on getting on base with real estate, hitting real estate singles. That's what Moneyball Real Estate is all about. You've been such a good example of that. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, that is it for this episode. Go right now. If you haven't yet, you're in trouble. Go to the Buildrepreneur YouTube channel. Go subscribe and hit the bell so that you can hear from Spencer all the time. Uh, by the way, Spencer's a really good example of just talking about his experience. And then he, we get calls from people who were like, were like, how did you find out about Done For You Real Estate? They're like, oh no, I watched this guy on TikTok or YouTube and he mentioned you. And so I'm checking it out. And anytime I hear that, I go, it was Spencer. It was Spencer because he talks about it. And uh, and as a result, he has some awesome, because for those of you that don't know, we have a really cool referral thank you program. You send somebody to us and they get pre-approved. Well, you know, we get to send you a thank you check. And so Spencer's benefited from some of that just by talking about what this thing is on TikTok and YouTube. So go check out his TikTok. Go check out his YouTube channel. Uh, for you, if you're watching, make sure you subscribe to the channel so that we can keep giving you awesome content. And if you have not rated and reviewed the podcast, please go do that because it means a lot to us. And if you don't, then Justin's going to be sad. Justin, would you be sad if they don't go rate and review? See, you can't see him. He's off camera. He's going to be really sad. And would, do you want him to be sad, Spencer? I'll be sad too. Yeah, well, see, Spencer's going to be sad. Steve, would you be sad? Very sad. Guys, you don't want to make people sad. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here on Replace Your Income. Spencer, thank you for coming in and hanging out. And that's all for now. We'll talk to you real soon.